Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. And I'm sitting here looking at a picture of Megan giving very much rich lady vibes, giving very much. I am, in fact, a celebrity, and but I'm also a Cali girl and a hippie. You know, you can't quite afford my budget, but I'm gonna make you believe you can. <laughs> like she looks, she looks great. But I love that she's just back to. Like, just living her life, you know, not afraid. I don't I don't ever get the vibes that Megan is afraid of being photographed. It's that don't intrude on my on my privacy, which is fair for anybody. But she looks great. Like, I love the the brown hat. I feel like that's this not the first time we've seen her wear that. Um, but she's just out doing some shopping in Montecito with her Montecito jumpsuit, uh, which is, as you know, sold out. <laughs> already uh but no i love i love it for him i love it for him and given that everybody is basically back outside and her kids are not you know teeny tiny anymore i would expect to see more of that i mean she's gonna live her life uh they're gonna live their life so uh that's just good to see it's a it's a new era and i love it for him speaking of megan she continuously raises the bar for us all Back with another episode this week or last week, she had Paris Hilton on. And I swear every single episode, I don't want to say it outdoes the last, but it's special in its own way. And I noticed after about two or three episodes, she stopped announcing who's coming on and, or who you know, who the next episode will be. And I kind of, you know, I kind of like that. And specifically because when you hear who's on the show you have like a set of ideas based on what you know about the person but by the end of the episode a lot of those ideas are probably completely done away with or reinforced depending on how how much you know about the person but um I I love that and I did not I wouldn't have predicted Paris Hilton at all so on the Paris Hilton episode they were Talking about the label of bimbo and everything that goes into that. I believe the episode was called Breaking Down the Bimbo. And you know that Megan recorded a lot of the episodes in the same day. Or I feel like she recorded all episodes within a very small time frame. But you can hear as they release each episode how much more comfortable she is as the interviewer uh, in the first couple of episodes it was good it was great but I think she is really settling in by this point uh and I really loved hearing her ask Paris about her like her story and just you know asking follow-up questions based on what Paris was saying and so much about Paris I did not I was just completely unaware I mean I guess she's done a documentary recently I hadn't watched it. I have, I just have so little time to do almost anything, (laughs) but, um, yeah, no, it it definitely makes me curious, but I had no idea she went through some of those things as a child and even just hearing her talk about just her life in general, where she is now, she gives you such different vibes from what has been crafted about her in part with her cooperation because she went into, you know, how Paris Hilton, the character, is so different from Paris Hilton, the person. But in the beginning of the episode, Megan made a reference to her days as a deal or no deal girl. And it's so funny because every time Megan talks about herself, every time she gives you a story um, to connect herself as the interviewer to the interviewee as well as the topic you already know what's going to (laughs) happen you know what's going to happen I feel like Megan knows what's going to happen and but it's it's good that she does it anyway because it's it's important right uh to the episode itself but in the beginning she talks about her time as a deal or no deal girl and she led with how 
It was a time where she had health insurance. She was in the union. It was an actual job. And it led to her being able to uh, do other things, but that she was able to work in the industry, even though she had another degree in international studies uh, and had used that as well. But I knew when she talked about how after a while she felt icky from being objectified. And listen, it is what it is. That's not going to be everybody's experience, but she has the right to talk about her own experience. But I knew when she said that, that folks were going to come for her. Here they come. <laughs> Here they come. Because it, it was, it's just too delicious uh, for a hater to leave alone, right? But see, here's the thing that is always so strange to me. There are people who are clear Megan haters. They don't like Megan. They're never going to like Megan. They look for any and everything to criticize her on. And then there are those who, like Claudia Jordan, for example, who say they're not haters. In fact, that they support Megan, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, this is an indoctrination that you got to be Sussex Squad <laughs> deep down in your soul. But like, we'll say, but she says, you know, I, I will defend Megan or I have defended Megan um, so hard in the past, but then will like step forward and allow herself to be used as something to hit Megan over the head with just because her experience differed from Megan. That's very strange to me. It's always those, those people who are in the middle who say that they, hey, yeah, I, you know, I really love Megan. I love everything she's, but then you don't hesitate to put yourself in a position to be a critic of her telling her own experience. That's strange to me. So I knew when Claudia posted that on her Instagram, all the tabloids were going to pick it up. Um, but the thing is, she learned a valuable lesson, which is that when people criticize you over Megan, they're not just coming at you, calling you names. They're giving you all kinds of receipts. And ultimately, she deleted the the actual post, not the stories. But when she did that, I knew other people were going to come out who had also been deal or no deal girls. And so far, it's been like three or four of them um, trying to criticize Megan. You know, how can you criticize someone on their own experience? But that to me, when it's all said and done, it demonstrates the pure power that Megan has. Because if you really think about this, there's no other podcast that people are waiting on week after week, the way they're waiting on this podcast. Not because they're interested in the podcast or the subject matter, but because they're interested in the person and what they have to say for better or for worse. There, there are industries that sit on Tuesday morning waiting for the podcast to drop just so they can write articles about it. That is insane. But not only that, but then you had people like Whoopi Goldberg talking about it. Again, for better or for worse, that doesn't, to me, I mean, I didn't even hear what Whoopi said. I, I know it was something to the fact that, you know, maybe, you know, what do you expect or something? I don't know. You know, I, I really didn't, I, I did not listen to what would be said. I just know that she criticized Megan on that. Uh, but even with that, you're still talking about her. She's still being talked about. There was that segment on CNN uh, where the women journalists sat around and talked about how they felt objectified as well in their profession, even though they bring all of this expertise with them to the table that has nothing to do with their looks. Who else is like who else has a podcast that causes people everywhere, especially professional women everywhere, to engage in the way that they have done for the past five or six weeks? Nobody. Nobody. So whether you're criticizing her or agreeing with her, you're just exposing her to more people, which ultimately I think that's a good thing. But it's still kind of lame to be a critic over someone telling their own story. And that that's the one thing that also uh, bothers me in the sense that I think the fact that people have 
bullied Megan and just beat up on her in terms of like the tabloids specifically. I think it makes people comfortable with criticizing her when they really shouldn't be because they're so used to hearing other people criticize her without merit, without merit. And so if you don't know, Claudia Jordan, after she was a deal or no deal girl, I really don't know what she did, but I know she's a lawyer. Uh, But she, you may know her from being on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. She was only on there for one season. I found her to be the most boring person on the show, in the show's history. And that's not because she criticized Megan. I promise you that. She just was not a good fit. Um, when, When the girls would read her up and down, she would have no, like, no good comebacks and that's surprising because she was a lawyer so that's probably why she was disappointed to me but um she was only on there for one season I think she hosts a show with um some other people I think maybe Vivica Fox and uh Lisa Ray sort of like a a version of the real or the view or something like that where they talk about kind of like hood topics seems like but I don't know the name of the show but yeah so she she basically nobody was checking for you Claudia but nobody looking for you girl um so when she posted all of that and it was this whole rambling thing it was just like girl first of all I don't think anybody is actually checking for you or looking for your opinion but like secondly we don't care we do not care like we care enough to let you know that you're wrong, but girl, nobody cares. Like people don't care. <laughs> like girl, do you know how long ago that was? And then go bring Howie Mandel into it. He was a host of the show. She didn't say nothing about Howie, <laughs> you know, so now you just being messy actually. So that's, that's really the main reason why I didn't quite appreciate what she was saying. Cause she did, she didn't have any valid points. And then she just started talking about, you know, all of the opportunities that deal, deal or no deal created for her. And that's great. But like, girl, Megan said that too. Megan praised the show before she talked about how she felt, uh, eventually by just being a briefcase girl. And that's, that's Megan's experience. But, you know, I at some point, again, I just accepted that archetypes would just be the vehicle for people to bully Megan every week. And I'm I'm sure Megan accepted that uh, before she even probably re- recorded the first episode because she knows how people are. And when you're Megan and when you're that girl, with every episode you release, tongues are wagging. When you're that girl, sadly... Your name pays the mortgage for your haters. When you're that girl, irrelevant colleagues, they come for you because they're clout chasing because your name can get their name in the headlines and their names won't be in the headlines otherwise. So I guess we just have to accept that that's going to happen every week. But on the episode itself, yeah, I love that she gave Paris um, a chance to talk about her experience and her background and you know Paris has had some shady moments in the past she's um she's freely (laughs) said the n-word uh as a young lady and also made some like you know anti-lgbt uh remarks and comments and things like that but you know she was young she was super young and while it is offensive girl I'm willing to give like early 20 teens, whatever, the benefit of the doubt, truly. Um, And, you know, because everybody makes mistakes and I think young people have the right to be dumb as fuck. Uh, That's just their rite of passage. But if you're in your 20s and 30s and uh, late 20s, I should say, and 30s, still doing that same type of shit, then we, we just have to throw you away. Like Kanye, you know. Um, you have to learn, you know, it's kind of like when people go digging up old tweets from folks like Sean Mendez and Lil Nas X and just, okay, were you a teenager? Forgiven, <laughs> but don't do that shit again. You know, it's just like learn and grow as that's your responsibility. Um, so, and then that, and you notice at the end of the episode, Megan said, this is not some defense of Paris Hilton. So Megan knew uh, and that that to me demonstrates that she has some big balls just because it's like she still invited her on the show because we can all still 
take someone else's experience and pull back the layers. And that's what's so important about archetypes is that, especially as women, we're already like harshly judged in the world. But then we also harshly judge each other. And and I think archetypes encourages all of us to give one another grace and to listen as well as to speak on our own experiences. Uh, so I think, you know, it's, it's such a great podcast and I look forward to like what the next seasons bring. Um, just because so many more people are understanding the harmful impacts that stereotypes and archetypes have on, on not just ourselves, but also our neighbors. So we're more similar than we are different. And I think that podcast does a really good job of demonstrating de- demonstrating that. So um, looking forward to the next episode. Again, I'm really waiting on the Issa Rae episode and the Z-Way episode. <laughs> Can't wait for those two. Um, so I have a feeling she's going to say those for last, though. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that. Make sure to tune into Archetypes every Tuesday exclusively on Spotify. And then, of course, there's more to be said about the fact that The Crown is coming back to Netflix November 9th. Every every season has been released in November. November 9th of this year, girl, get your Netflix subscriptions paid get them going if you somehow deleted uh your your I, I i probably will never delete netflix at least for a while um because of shows like the crown but yeah so apparently netflix has gained like 2.4 million subscribers in the last quarter which is great because you know wasn't like weren't the girls getting ready to sign her death certificates <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, The Crown comes back in um, in November. And apparently Dame Judi Dench has written an open letter and said, Netflix, y'all need to let everybody know that this is fiction on every episode. Y'all need to let the world know, especially the girls overseas. Girl, don't you know Netflix is overseas? <laughs> the clownery uh but yeah she wrote an open letter the dame right so she's still working off her reward from the queen i guess and by the way i didn't plan on talking about the crown this much i feel like i've talked about the crown in every like in the last three episodes uh i mean i do love the show don't get me wrong but the only reason I'm talking about the crown so much though is because the royal family keeps making such a fuss. And so what they're going to do is they're going to have people watching the series that never even they never even watched any of the series, but they're going to binge watch now so that they're all caught up by the time season 5 rolls around. But Judy Dench wrote a letter that was almost as if Charles wrote it himself saying that Quote, what the crown is doing this season is cruelly unjust to the individuals and damaging the institution they represent. Huh? Now, if you remember, and if I can remind you, the royal family, royalists, English folks, everybody loved the crown until these later seasons. Everybody loved it until season four. Well, who was introduced in season four? That's right, Princess Diana. Suddenly, everybody's upset. You weren't you weren't mad when you know Winston Churchill was a prime minister, you know, and bombings and all of that were happening in the show, right? Because you said right because that's historical. That's historical uh, dramatizations. Things actually happen, but we were told to. Carry on, keep calm, and carry on. And that's what we did. We loved it, English pride. But then it's still the same royal family at the center of it. The queen, right? The person who wears the crown is at the center. And everyone that's been cast as a queen has been phenomenal. But you know who my favorite is. And again, let me just say, Olivia Coleman. 
did her thing uh, in both seasons. I wish she could play the latter seasons, but you know, I get it. They changed it, the characters out. Well, listen, the queen got old and the younger folks in the royal family, they came up and they started living their lives. I mean, why would they continue on with the season and not talk about the things that actually happened? So I say all of that to say, you can't say, oh, we love this show when it's dis- depicting things that are not so personal to you. But yet when it's your turn, you're upset. Like one of the saddest storylines, but also based in fact uh, that the crown shows is the one of Margaret. Margaret couldn't marry the love of her life. She couldn't marry the love of her life and her queen, her sister, was the one who prevented her from doing so. It's true. It is actual fact that that was the case. The dialogue we know is fiction, but see what the royal family is trying to do now, particularly Charles, because see, the heat is on. Listen, Charles wants it both ways. He wants to look y'all in y'all face and say, the queen is not the queen consort. She should be called Queen Camilla. But he doesn't want you to be reminded that she was she started off as his mistress. Right? And their kid's mother, his kid's mother, was the one that everybody loved the most in the royal family. You know, when she died, you compare her funeral to the queen's funeral, even the queen's funeral, the air was just totally different. The response from the people, totally different. Y'all made that lady's life a living hell. You don't want the people to be reminded of that. But it's okay for the folks to see how, you know, the monarchy made Margaret's life a living hell, which no sympathy for her because, you know, she is also a product. But still, that has to suck. But now it's about when it's about you uh, and your horse, Tony, and his pony, it's a problem. Now you want Netflix to put all these disclosures on every episode. They're not doing that. They weren't doing it before. Why would they do it now? Listen, we're still telling the same story about the same family. And now you're wearing the crown. And, and, and Charles is so childish and churlish and petty that... He thinks that now that he's king, he can really have some influence. Netflix is not putting any disclosures anywhere. You know, they may, for legal reasons, you know, say something about the Panorama interview, the way that the HBO documentary uh, did at the very end of The Princess. But they don't, I mean, really, they don't have to. But they, they will do that probably just as a, just a due diligence type of thing. But listen, Things happen the way they happen. And so while, you know, he's sending out his flunkies to say, you know, for example, I think Dickie Arbiter posted something that said, see, the queen and Philip never uh, never hugged outside of Windsor Castle when it was on fire. This was some other time. OK, that might be so, but we already told you it was a dramatization. But did the castle catch on fire? Yes, it did. So <laughs> it's like stupid shit like that. Um, what are you going to do when they play the conversation of Charles talking about, you know, God forbid he comes back as a tampon uh, in Camilla's snatch? What you going to do about that? You're going to say it's fiction. I mean, listen, because the tabloids, they suck. And that those were ill-gotten gains from the tabloids. That being said, it was you. And your mistress, your at the time mistress, having a dirty conversation. <laughs> you can't say it's fiction because it it's fact, you know. Um, so that's going to be really fun. Like I remember last season. Because Diana Hive is here, like they really came out like um, and it's also a younger generation of folks. It was the royal family turning off their comments on Twitter and on Instagram, they turned it off. It was Clarence House. Uh, I guess this time it'll be the royal family Instagram <laughs> and Twitter being turned off. But uh, 
Because, listen, this season is going to be tumultuous. It's going to be tumultuous. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to make me sad. And from what I can see, season six, which is what they're filming now, the final season, Diana is still alive. But they did show her in the tan suit that she wore in Paris in the final days of her life. So it uh, makes me think that, like, the finality, like, the the end of um, Diana's life is going to be depicted in season six. But really, when you think about it, the end of Diana's life, in a way, was also the end of the modern monarchy, you know, as as it could have been, right? Um, Megan gave it a fighting chance, but you see what they did to her and to Diana's son. So, yeah. It's so interesting just to see the closer that it gets to to November 9th, just how much they're kicking and screaming. So make sure y'all tune in. If for nothing else, just because they don't want you to watch. See, because now they're bringing the queen into it, talking about, well, we just buried the queen. And for the sake of the family and the British public, who is still in mourning, let's not do this. And why not? The queen knew we were filming. She knew we was doing this show before she died. And y'all can't be grieving too much the way they were smiling the night before her funeral like a, a pack of hyenas, girl. Uh, but, you know, they, they are throwing everything at the wall. And I don't know what makes them think that Netflix is going to just completely change it up just because they, they asked them to or they're requesting um, all of these disclosures and disclaimers and all of that. Girl, who are you? This is a different time. Maybe if this was 100 years ago, perhaps, maybe. But you don't have the pull that you think you do. And I think the monarchy's real fear is that the British public, who loves the show, by the way, will be reminded of the worst parts about them as a royal family, that they are flawed humans too, but they're just flawed humans who don't pay taxes, right? Because we got to get into the key differences here because Charles inherited how many hundreds of millions of dollars that he doesn't have to pay an inheritance tax on. Meanwhile, y'all got to pay some like 40%. Crazy, right? I know, but like, they're so afraid of being seen as just regular human beings, flawed human beings who are no better than the rest of society. And in fact, in some ways, they are worse. And see, the crown demonstrates that in some ways. See, because in reality, the worst parts about members of the royal family are shielded from the public. And they're never held accountable for their misdeeds. But in a show like The Crown, we get to imagine what some of those conversations are, even though we know they're fiction, the conversations themselves, but the events that they're based on are not. I'm sorry you hate to be reminded of your past, but maybe you should have lived a different life. Maybe you should have lived a different type of life. Hmm? Maybe you should have treated your, your kid's mother better. You know, because now characterizations and dramatizations of some of their most embarrassing and most inhumane misdeeds are about to play out in front of not just British society, but an already shaky Commonwealth and the rest of the world. And we're in a time when Diana's son, her favorite son, and her daughter-in-law have openly talked about how they were at the receiving end of some of the most harsh and inhumane treatment by the same people in this institution. So not only do we have a gigantic reminder of what they did to Princess Diana, folks are now in tandem drawing parallels to what they've done to Diana's son and his black wife. This is what they're also afraid of. And it's too late because we already see it. But the biggest tragedy is that no time in between Diana's life and Prince Harry's marriage and the life he lives after that, did Charles decide to become a better person? He didn't become a better father. He became a worse father. And then also, Will won't really play into it, but he basically became like the institution in the same way that Margaret did. 
Because Will, I guess maybe that's a survival mechanism. He's totally anti-Harry and anti-Megan. He's angry at everything they do. He's also in this in his mind anyway, in competition with Harry and Meghan, even over here in the States. Did you forget that, you know, we are no longer a part of your monarchy? So you have like no reason to be coming over here, but yet here you are bringing your ball and chain. Like it, it's the parallels that you don't want us to see are the ones we're going to look for first. And it's not going to make you guys look any better, the monarchy, by protesting, you know, the debut of the fifth season of the show. And so I guess if I was Charles, I'd be, I'd be scared and calling my flunkies too, because people are going to have the receipts to match every event that they see in this season, just because you are so adamant about letting the world know that it's fiction. We know it's fiction, fool. <laughs> like what an idiot duh we know but we also know that it's based on real events and unfortunately for you the events of this season took place in the 90s and the receipts especially the ones in video will be extremely easy to locate well i guess it's time to turn off the comments again because what a time it will be. I am so looking forward to it. Like, I don't think November 9th can get here quick enough. Also, just to pivot here, Megan did an interview for Variety. I love those. I love when she does those pieces because we always get such beautiful images out of those and then in this one there was also a video like a snippet of part of the interview uh which I love she just looks radiant man I swear I swear if I were insecure racist and a hater I guess I'd be jealous too she looks phenomenal she looks phenomenal she looks great I mean you shouldn't be jealous but you know you know how it is. You know how big it is. I really shouldn't even bother about, but she looks amazing and I'm sure it drives folks crazy. Um, I believe for the interview, they met at San Isidro Ranch and I've heard of that, but hmm, maybe I'll do a little bit more Googling on what goes on there. But uh, people seem to be pretty surprised to see Megan. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it, it apparently they did the bulk of this before the funeral and I think they added in a couple of questions about you know just her relationship with the queen and and all of that I did notice that between this interview and the one for the cut because again anything and everything Megan does people are going to talk about it make big deals about it um, she was a little bit more open in the cut interview or you know the cut piece I guess she was interviewed um, but it just wasn't published in an interview style like this one and in this one, she, she seemed a little bit more guarded with her responses. You know, I felt like the questions were more direct, but Megan, she answered the questions, but she, she couched her question, her answers in sort of like an overall thought on what the ultimate answer was. But there were a couple of questions that she kind of, you know, avoided and, and which I, I totally get that. <laughs> Because, you know, you can't really be as straight shooting with some some of those types of questions, especially um, where they're involving Salt Island and uh, the uh, racist, allegedly racist royals. So y'all already know what I think about them, folks. But anyway, I still loved it. I loved uh, that Archetypes was really at the center of the whole piece, you know, is in part in promotion of archetypes and um, the fact that it's highly successful because we got to put the facts out there first, a highly successful podcast. I loved her singing Octonauts or was that, um, I don't even know if it was Octonauts, but we knew Harry, we knew um, that Archie loved Octonauts because I think Harry talked about it, but um, 
the story bots. That's what it was. Um, that was really cute. Her singing that, uh, just being a relatable mom, you know, but a couple of the key takeaways, Megan is not going to be acting again. Not surprised by that at all. Uh, but she seems pretty final on that. Uh, which I, I love because to be honest, a lot of actors ultimately do want to transition into being producers or directors or some other uh, more influential role within the industry, but still giving you entertainment. And we know that Harry and Meghan want to bring very meaningful entertainment um, to folks. And she talked about it being Harry's, uh, Harry's new to the industry, whereas she has a little bit, obviously, uh, more expertise there uh, and knows how things work in general. But I thought it was interesting the question about the the question and answer actually about the docuseries. So she finally acknowledged it. I feel like there was conversation in the cut piece, but to me it wasn't super clear. But there's a clear acknowledgement here and maybe I missed it if it was already previously spoken about, but um Liz Garbus, he asked uh what can we expect from Liz Garbus's docuseries on you and your husband? And she said that it's nice that to trust somebody else with your story. It may not be the way that you tell it, but it's also someone whose work you admire and, you know, you trust them with your story. Again, people tried to make more out of that than what it was. <laughs> um, but I actually look forward to that. I keep people I keep hearing people say December or floating December around. Also for the memoir, um, I don't know. We'll see. For me, I'm already, I mean, I feel like I'm just at the point where whatever comes, comes. Whatever they share, whatever they produce, whatever drops, it will drop when it drops. Like, I'm not losing any sleep over... <laughs> what they do and what they don't do. I just enjoy it when they do put whatever they've been working on out. I'm already just trying to keep up with everything that they've been doing, especially in the past couple of weeks. Um, just because, you know, girls, we've been eating. We've been eating. And <laughs> it felt like we were never going to eat again. You know, the way things just came to a grinding halt um, when the queen died. But here we are just barely keeping up. And then there's still so many more things that they got going on uh, to end the year with. We know that um, the RFK award is coming up in the beginning of December, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but they've been giving us so much more content. So it's just hard keeping up with that. So whatever they decide to put out, whenever they put it out, I'll enjoy it when they do. And of course we have the ongoing archetypes uh, dropping every week. So another takeaway is, for me at least, is that Megan is so far deep in her business bag. Like she's approaching everything that they do, at least in terms of production, whether audio, film, as a business. Now, I know that's not breaking news, but it's just really great to hear her talking about what their vision is for Archwell and some of the projects that they may have going on. And when she says, well, one thing we're not going to do is horror, a horror film, that lets me know that they're going to do films in general. And again, not necessarily breaking news, but that to me implies that they're working on other things. So we, I mean, we don't know, but I just love their business sense when it comes to um, this foundation that they've created because it's it's more than just giving back in terms of money, donations. Um, they build a playground uh, at, in Uvalde. It's more than just that, although that's, I think, at the heart of what they do. Uh, but they really do want to inspire people, um, especially young people, with the projects that they put out. And so... I think for Megan, while she might love acting, I don't see how she would have time, <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's far more impactful to be able to bring the story than to just be in it. Um, and also, you know, their parents. So time is short. But I, I, I just love seeing this side of her 
because she really is a bad B. You know what I mean? She's a boss lady and she she's really in that bag. And so, I mean, hate on her all you like. You're, you're not stopping this train from rolling. You know what I mean? That's what she's on now. And you can clearly see it. She was asked about the monarchy process and and how that institution might be similar to, you know, the institution of, you know, inter- the entertainment industry. And can I just say I love that question because the monarchy, you know what? It is a business. It's a business. It's not a family. Uh, and she responded in kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a business, you know, uh, but ultimately what she says, you know, you got to find your North Star within any institution. She's so done with them people. And I'm glad that she found her North Star and it led her out of the institution because no person who is so vibrant and full of life should be trapped within that. Uh, but yeah, she said, you know, a lot of industries are different, but every business has a bottom line. And I guess that bottom line needs to be held. Her words were, I suppose. Um, but yeah, she she found a way right out. Uh, and it's been for the good. It's been for the best. <laughs> All to the good. Because this business model right here, not for me. So while I won't be returning to acting, I also won't be returning to that shit. Good for you, Megan, because their bottom line was in hell. And that's just what it is. So if you haven't read the variety piece, uh, I'll, le- I'll link it in the uh, description below or wherever, wherever you see the description, wherever you are listening. Uh, yeah, I'll link that. And then, of course, I did want to speak about the upcoming award that Harry and Megan will be receiving from the RFK Foundation, Robert F. Kennedy Uh, the brother of former president John F. Kennedy. So back in October, well, it was still in October, but in the middle part of October, R.F. Kennedy Human Rights announced that Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan have been named as this year's Ripple of Hope Award laureates in recognition of their work on racial justice, mental health, and other social impact initiatives through their Archwell Foundation. Uh, Harry and Meghan will be honored alongside fellow laureates Frank Baker, co-founder and managing partner of Ceres. Sorry, I'm reading. Uh, Brian Moynihan, who is the uh, board and chief executive officer of Bank of America and Ukrainian President um, Vladimir Zelensky. So big, big names. Past laureates include... Um, so many presidents, U.S. presidents, including Obama and Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, I believe as well. Previous laureates include Stacey Abrams, John Lewis, Colin Kaepernick, Robert De Niro, Anthony Fauci, Desmond Tutu, and really the list just goes on and on. Joe Biden. Um, What great company to be in, you know? Look at the work that Harry and Meghan have done just as two highly influential people who happen to be married to one another, right? They've captured the world's imagination with their story. But just in the last couple of years since leaving the royal family, because they're being honored for what they've done after the royals, not during their time in the royal family. When you look at what they've done in just a few short years, It's incredible. Much of it was done during the pandemic. But it's really great to see a family like the Kennedys recognizing that. Because while Will and Kate are trying to come over here to America to, you know, put their tentacles in Boston, which, you know, the the Kennedys are from Massachusetts. (laughs) I mean, that I'm pretty sure that was deliberately chosen uh, for them to do the whole Earthshot Prize in Boston. The Kennedys are recognizing the Sussexes. You know what I mean? Like these are people who are doing real work, real work. And if you know anything about the Kennedys, they're, they are a family of public service from Eunice Kennedy, you know, Shriver to, you know, she started the, what was it? The um, Special Olympics. 
um, who is Maria Shriver's mom. I mean, just a family rooted completely in public service, like true service. And they are who America considers our royals. Um, if, if there have to be royals, which we don't even have. But speaking of the crown, one of probably the, the best episodes, if you haven't watched it, is the one that has Jack, Jacqueline Kennedy and uh, JFK in England. And then Jackie comes back because I guess she and the queen butt heads. I don't know if that was actually true, but it was it was a great episode. But yeah, while the Cambridges are trying to cozy up near the Kennedys, the Kennedys are recognizing Harry and Meghan. And also Robert F. Kennedy's son, RFK Jr., he's been an environmentalist since I can remember, like for my whole life. I don't see him falling over himself to get in with Earthshot Prize. It's because Earthshot Prize is just for show. It's this thing that he attaches himself to just because he didn't have a thing of his own. Uh, while Harry had the Invictus games. But now he can use this as a vehicle to go around the world to somehow demonstrate his own importance, which is self-importance, really. Saying, look at me, I'm giving away money to people who are doing things, which is great. Yeah, do give away money, but like $50 million overall, over 10 years? Girl, you ain't doing nothing. And the thing is, they know they're not doing anything with it. But what it does is it gets them to America. It gets them to Boston. It gets them possibly maybe in the headlines. And that's going to be interesting because do you also remember when they announced that they will be doing the Earthshot Prize in Boston, which I'm not going to give it any of my time <laughs> when it comes around, unless something crazy happens. Uh, but and you may say, well, you're giving it your time now only because I'm speaking about Harry and Meghan doing their thing over here in America. Right. Uh, because remember, they were told to get out, get out of my Caucasian house, get out of the monarchy. They went to America. They're doing their thing. So why are you over here in their fucking face? You know, so that's where it comes into play right now or right today. But like they announced they were doing the Earthshot Prize in Boston and then a little bit later, they announced that the month before, which happened to be when the queen died, so it didn't actually happen, they were going to be in New York for the uh, the UN General Assembly. Why? Because Harry had made a, a speech at the UN. Waga, why were you going to come over here for that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And apparently, Megan was also going to be in New York. They were going to be in New York. Megan was going to be on Jimmy Fallon's show. And she was also going to be doing the UN General Assembly. Megan is no stranger to the UN. And Harry did his thing. So, of course, William has decided, well, I have to do that too, girl. No, you don't. Your country got bigger problems right now. Do y'all even know who y'all's prime minister is? No, you don't. And probably the funniest thing I've seen, just a slight tangent. Somebody said, well, who's going to play who's going to play uh, Liz Truss in the last 10 minutes of The Crown? <laughs> Girl, y'all got so many issues. Y'all don't even know what's going on in y'all country right now. But you trying to play over here. Why? The girlies don't even want you over here. And William and Kate's flunkies are talking about how their popularity is soaring in the U.S. Again, people don't even know who they are. They only know who they are in relation to Harry and Meghan. So when, I guess that's the beginning of December, when that rolls around, you better believe every news outlet in America will be talking about Harry and Meghan's award because it'll be a gala. So they get to play dress up and um, look great doing it as they always do. Harry, I mean, the most recent gala that we saw was uh, at the Intrepid that was also in New York. And every news outlet across the globe that has any interest in Megan, especially Megan, but Megan and Harry, they're going to be showing that. And, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, because I, I don't believe that it's going to be that way for Will and Kate. I, I really just don't. So Harry and Meghan's event is going to be on December 6th, I believe. And by the way, they were notified way back in March 
that they would be the recipients of the Ripple of Hope Award. And a couple of days later in Boston, they're going to be doing the whole Earthshot thing, um, the others. Uh, listen, the entire time Megan was in England, the royal family, especially Will, was super anti-American uh, toward her, making all kind of comments. So the fact that you're in America trying to get this press attention, because, you know, the circle jerking in the UK only gets you so far. Um, it's not serious. Like, it can't be serious. It's laughable at this point. Well done to Harry and Meghan for continuing to raise the bar. And I love that American institutions, entities, and foundations will continue to recognize them for the work that they do. It's all just so lovely. You know, I also just thought about something. The fact that it's days apart and in the same region as the other royals doing whatever they think they're doing, that means that perhaps maybe royal reporters will be trying to weasel their way into the ripple of hope thing. Um, I, I I really hate that. Like, I hate it. I hate that the most. Like, it's I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not going to ruin anything, but... It's just so cringe, really, because you know it's not just enough for them to go to Boston to cover Will and Kate, because Will and Kate don't move the needle. That's just ultimately what it's going to boil down to. They don't move the needle. And again, Harry and Meghan are going to be a tough, tough act to follow. They don't move the needle. But the ones who need their mortgages paid, you better believe that when they get to Boston, they're coming from New York, not from Salt Island. Ew, I hate it. But you know what? That never stopped Harry and Meghan from doing what they have to do to be happy in this life, in this country. And so we love that for them. And so with that, that is pretty much all I have for today. Please don't forget to listen to Archwell for Clear Skin. She drops every Tuesday. Actually, not Archwell. <laughs> Sorry. Archetypes. Archetypes on Spotify. Listen to her. She drops on Tuesdays, uh, every Tuesday morning. And yeah, we'll discuss on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can find me at Megan Mood, as well as on Instagram, TikTok, and all the other places, and YouTube and Patreon. So Thanks as always for tuning in and keep shining your light. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And so until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me. Kill me.